0: Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus battle. Nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, three. then I, I don't know who's watching.
1: Howard. Oh! Oh! Soaring through the air. High-flying Slovakian.
0: Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. For Syracuse. Party time. The upset. Pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27-24. to 24. Battle. The penetration. Step back. Oh. A pressure bucket for Tyus Bissell.
1: This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines are open all of our number one at 315-437-7644. We do have one guest lined up for you. Aaron Beasley, former West Virginia and former NFL quarterback. He's set to join us in hour number two. We'll talk some football with Aaron Beasley. We're going to talk a lot of football in hour number one as well. Syracuse getting ready for Louisville. And before I came over here, Seth, I was... Breaking down this matchup a little bit, putting together my keys to victory for for News Channel Nine, like I do every week. Man, is Louisville not good? I, I don't know how else to put it. Do you realize? Do you realize that their starting quarterback Jawan Pass has rushed for a total of ten net yards this season, ten in nine games. So he's gotten sacked a lot. He's gotten he's, sacked a lot because he's
0: fairly you know mobile. Yeah, relatively. Is he? <laughs> Like I meant like he can run. He can run. That's, what, that's more of what I meant.
1: He can run. He can throw it. Just he's not very good at either. He's completing less than right. 55% of his passes. And he's gained a net total of 10 yards on the ground. And that plays right into what this SU defense wants to do to you, right? They want to pressure you. We saw it against DeAndre Francois. Uh, You know, We saw it last week in the first half against Wake Forest uh, with the six sacks before halftime. They are getting to the quarterback. They're in the top 20 nationally in sacks per game, tied for 16th, I believe, with three sacks per game. And and they want to force you into mistakes. And this is a guy who is susceptible to mistakes. He's got three more interceptions than touchdowns. He's getting sacked a lot, and he's not accurate when he throws the ball.
0: He's... um... He, he's a significantly worse version of Lamar Jackson. He's no version of Lamar no, Jackson. But, but what I mean is, you know, Lamar had some accuracy questions, but he, he had a really strong arm and he could at least make up for the accuracy with the arm strength and being able to run. And, and you know... Juwan Pass has accuracy questions, has, has problems throwing the football, but he doesn't have the same skills running the ball that Lamar had, so he can't make up for it. And when we saw this team the last two years, there wasn't much doing on the offense. There wasn't much there offensively outside of Lamar Jackson. The offensive line was atrocious. The weapons were just eh. And Lamar Jackson made it all better. And then you take Lamar Jackson out and you replace him with somebody who can't do everything Lamar Jackson can do, and this is what you have. This is what you come up with. When when you've got um, a transcendent player who leaves, and all of a sudden you don't have a
1: transcendent player anymore, it crumbles. Putting those two names in the same sentence, that's like saying I'm a lesser version of Steve Nash. Uh, like... I, I, at least they play the same position. There is no, no comparison between Juwan Pass and Lamar Jackson. And I understand what you said. The comparison is that they've both been quarterbacks at Louisville. Um, and yes, Lamar Jackson had some accuracy issues. But what is going on this year is on a whole nother level. And it's been a disastrous season for Bobby Petrino. This is a team that is two and 2-7 on the year and, honestly, fortunate to be 2-7. and seven. They had to rally to beat Western Kentucky in a game that they probably didn't deserve to win. Uh, they beat Indiana State the week before, and that's it. Those are their two wins, Indiana State and Western Kentucky. And they have just gotten blown out and, and blown out big time. You, you look at their last four games... The average margin of victory for their opponents in the last four games is 33.75 points. And to me, and I brought this up on the show the other day, Seth, to me that indicates, when I see that disparity, to me that indicates the team has quit and kind of thrown up its hands, thrown in the towel on 2018, whatever you want to say, and they're they're moving on to the off season and you know the younger guys are looking ahead to 2019. When I see teams blow and Clemson is one thing. Clemson is that good and Louisville, you know, Louisville's down. Clemson is among the best in the country. So I I get, you know, 77 to 16, I guess. But I, I don't I guess. <laughs>
0: I still don't. I mean Clemson is that it's good. Un- yeah, but that's still like think about when Think about when Syracuse was playing Clemson, Florida State, and, and Louisville, and, and Syracuse was
1: pretty down, and those three were pretty up. They weren't allowing 77. Well, that's how bad this defense is. But the, the Clemson game aside, because, I mean, Clemson was favored by 40. So, fine, they blew them out. Things got out of hand. But when you're losing to Wake Forest at home 56-35, to and you're losing to Georgia Tech at home 66-31, to oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It's eye opening, and and as I said to me, that indicates they've thrown in the towel. Which it, it could go one of two ways. If they've truly thrown in the towel, then Syracuse isn't going to have a problem tomorrow night. Um, but if they haven't thrown in the towel, you know that there is that sense that maybe they could be dangerous if they you know are able to hang around early on. They've got nothing to lose. They can be loose. They can take chances, trick plays, whatever the case may be. They they have nothing to play for. They've but already been eliminated from bowl contention.
0: But there's no reason to think any of that will work. And and you say you say it's a team that quit. You say it's a team that threw in the towel. And I, and I don't necessarily disagree. I, I don't disagree that that maybe this is a team that quit. I also attribute it to something that came up yesterday, and that is I don't think people like Bobby Petrino. I I really don't. And and so if you were a bad team. And you were coached by somebody who was still relatively well-liked in the coaching circles. You know, Florida State's not a very good team. Wake Forest's is not a very good team. But I don't think anybody's running the score up on those guys. Dave Clawson seems like a good person. Willie Taggart, people seem to like. You know, I, I don't think anybody's running the score up against them or looking to run up the score against them. Uh, Bobby Petrino, yeah. They're, they're going to take every opportunity they can to run the score up against them. Dabo Sweeney had one of his defensive tackles running in for a touchdown and had his son score a touchdown. Like, they never wanted to stop scoring in that game. And, and I think that that's something to really think about. We heard uh, Dino Babers say, hey, I just put the I just put the tape on from the last two years. I just put the scores up on the whiteboard and said, hey, guys, check this out, right? Uh, John Wildhack was on this sh- uh, on this station earlier this week, and I didn't get the feeling that he wanted them to stop putting points on the board on Friday night. I didn't get the feeling that he was like, you know what, we're at 50-7, to seven. like, we're good. I didn't get the feeling that's what John Wildhack was thinking. So I, I think there is something to that. I, I think there is something real to this idea that, like, people don't like Bobby Petrino. Because when he was up, when he was good, he was, you know, running down your throat and running the score up. And you know what? When he's bad, now that he's bad, on top of the fact that he's just kind of like a—, a probably doesn't seem like the best person— now that his team's bad, let's run the score up on him. Let's return the favor. And and I think that there's something real to that. The team might quit. The, the team might have quit. I, I won't deny that, but I, I think that, that that factors in as well.
1: Yeah, teams don't like to get embarrassed, to your point. And they and want to return the favor. The last couple of years, Syracuse has been embarrassed. You go back to 2016, the year Dino Babers took over, 62-28. Last year... Fifty-six to ten. If you go back even to the the four meetings between Louisville and Syracuse since the Orange joined the ACC, Louisville is four and zero with the combined score being one eighty-seven to sixty-one, one eighty-seven to sixty-one in four games. And the first one was relatively close. Teams don't like to get embarrassed, no. and this year the tables are turned. And to your point, whether it's Bobby Petrino, whether it's just Louisville, whether it's, you know, they've embarrassed us the last four years, now it's it's time for some payback, uh, it's senior night, whatever the case may be, you know, I know some may look at this from the outside looking in and say, trap game. Tra-, There's right? no way. We, we always say that, right? There's it, no way. When you say, oh, number 3 Notre Dame is next on the schedule, trap game. No, there's no I, there, chance. There's no chance this is a trap game. Um, you know, we talked to the players on Tuesday night. It's you know our, our one night of the week where the the players are made available to the media. And senior after senior, you know, Dungey, Dante Strickland talked about it. Um, Kylan Whitner talked about it. On down the list, the upperclassmen talked about. You know, we want this one. We want these guys. It's yeah, been it's they been should. embarrassing.
0: They should. They should want them. Uh, you know, I I know that the year before they came in, it's very possible. It's very possible that they were at the game as, as recruits. Was the year that they beat Teddy Bridgewater and and that Louisville team that came in as a top ten team and they beat them on a Friday night. And and it's possible that you know some of these guys were watching and, and they had made their final decision or they were very close to making their final decision. They were like, you know what, Let, let's do it. Let, let's be a part of this. Um, you know, and and I think that. that might play into it I think that that might play into um this idea of this Louisville game but you know to your point these guys have been embarrassed year after year by this Louisville team and and I think that getting one last shot at them that there's uh there is no way in my mind this is a trap game
1: no way. I do wonder how this game is going to play out. You know, we've seen Syracuse win two different kinds of, of games the last couple of weeks, and against NC State, it was the aerial attack, and they they went through the air, and Dungy was terrific, and 400 yards passing, and all that good stuff. And then last week, the passing game wasn't really working, whether it was the wind or the defense or Dungy was off, whatever. You know, combination of the three, whatever the case may be, they decided to to switch gears and and go to the ground. Louisville is so bad against the run statistically, that I wonder if this game is going to take on more of a feel like the Wake Forest game, where you just continue to just try to run it down their throats. They're giving up 277 rushing yards per game. Uh, They're ranked 127th out of 129 FBS schools. So there is a chance that Syracuse... May revert back to the game plan, or at least what we saw for three quarters against Wake Forest, and that was run the ball and you know run the ball to set up the pass, opposed to the other way around, which you know we see most of the time out of the oranges go to the air and then run the ball a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very real possibility. I I also think that Louisville's defense is, you know, maybe they might be worse in in the rushing (laughs) in the run defense. I think they're just bad. I I think that they they are just bad overall, Um, and and that you know if. If you're looking at a way to attack them, anything almost beats them? Right, I think that in in almost any regard uh they'll they'll get beaten passing or running the ball if if you think that running the ball is going to lead to uh better success throwing the ball then you run the ball first but I I think that either way the Syracuse offense will cut through them it's not like this is a good pass defense and, and you're like no you know what well, we got to we got to run the ball on them to yeah. make sure we can throw the ball like I think you're going to be able to throw
1: the ball on them too no matter what here's the thing and this is why sometimes statistics can be deceiving because you're right, I think Syracuse will, will have success through the air or the ground, or however they want to attack them. But Louisville is ranked 23rd in the country in passing defense because teams are running the ball and just and running the ball so well against them. Why why do you need to go through the air? And oh, by the way, one of those games was against Georgia Tech, and all they do is run the ball. So that's yeah, how, that doesn't
0: count. Take that right? game it out. Oh, no, it no, it does not count. They it put counts. up 66
1: points and probably threw two passes. That does not count. It counts against this team because that's how bad this rush defense is but th- there is a way you know to to skew statistics we know that and and so while you know louisville technically i guess you know statistically has a top 25 pass defense a have big, you, a big part on, of that on, is on. that everybody's been able to run the ball against them
0: have you seen how many rushing yards they gave up the i didn't to see George the to... number
1: what was it do i even want to know <laughs> does it start with a five <laughs> <Yes>. it does it does <laughs> <laughs> five hundred forty two yards.
0: I was half kidding. <laughs> that come on, that doesn't count. It counts. No, that does not count. Take so, that out. So they, they threw
1: two passes. They could have three hundred yards. What I mean, what, what number would give them? That's ridiculous. That is
0: ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. They ran the ball sixty-five times for five hundred and forty two yards.
1: What's that work out to? You have a yards per no, carry average. I is, don't. Here, I got my cal my calculator right here. What is it? 544? Uh, 65 for two,
0: uh, five forty
1: two. Uh, roughly a little bit over eight per carry. Jeez, eight yards per carry. That is awful. It is awful, especially when you know what's coming. Um, well, it counts be, because this be is fair, not a good run to defense. To be fair,
0: Syracuse went down there three years ago, knew exactly what was coming, and couldn't stop it. True. That seems to happen with Georgia Tech a lot. Not not excusing. You
1: would Louisville. think Georgia Tech would be better than they are because no one knows how to stop it, right? right. I mean, it's you would think you would think everybody would be running the triple option. <laughs> right. you, imagine you, would think, that? you would think more teams would look at it and be like, "That's what I'm going to do." Nobody can stop it. Either don't <laughs> throw the ball like Mike, or don't run the ball like Mike Leach, or don't throw the ball right. like Georgia Tech.
0: Right, but I I mean like. I I take that out of the the equation. I mean, Louisville's still a bad rush, run defense. Don't get me wrong, but I, I I find it hard to to leave that in the equation. Well, you have to for leave some you, of it.
1: I mean, they played the game and they couldn't stop the run, so I mean, it speaks to a larger issue. And the larger issue is the defense stinks. Can we agree on yes, that? Yes, the, de- the defense.
0: The defense. The defense
1: is terrible, and the offense isn't good. Right. Ten rushing yards. But other than that, the they're a great football this year. No, they're not, and this this is why. You need to go out and, you know, we said this to some degree when North Carolina came to town a few weeks back. We said, North Carolina's not good. Don't let them stick around. And we said this to some degree, a lesser degree, when Syracuse went down to Pittsburgh and Heinz Field. We said, you know, Syracuse is better than Pittsburgh. Go out and, and show it. And they dominated in the very beginning, jumped out 14 nothing. then Pittsburgh in a blink of an eye tied it on a long touchdown run, and then the fumble returned, and then all of a sudden it was a game. North carolina same thing. It was a it was a close game longer than it should have been. And Syracuse, frankly, should have lost that game. And then Tommy DeVito comes in and, and saves the day. They can't let that happen. They can't play to the no. level of their competition. They can't let Louisville hang around because that is the part of this. We have no reason to believe that Louisville is dangerous. But if it's a frenzied environment to start the game and it's they're playing the 13th ranked team on national TV and they're in the game and they i mean they've got nothing to lose they're not going to a bowl game then all of a sudden they do become dangerous if they're in the game but they got to be in the game so that first quarter i think is going to be enormous if Syracuse goes out and shows them hey we're Syracuse you guys stink you know and jumps out to a 17 nothing lead game over if it's 7-7 after one you you know you don't want to give Louisville any hope and, and so I think the first quarter of this game is going to be enormous. We do need to step aside and take our first time out. 315 437 if you'd like to get involved. We're just getting started on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN radio. Phone lines are open at 315 437 7644. Former West Virginia and NFL cornerback Aaron Beasley will be on the show with us in about 10 minutes from now. Let's open hour number two, Seth, though, talking a little basketball. We we spent all of hour number one talking SU football. You and I both uh, did a coach's show last night. You sat with Jerry McNamara for an hour from 7 to 8 over at Tully's. I was uh, here with uh, Alan Griffin along with Mike Waters from 8 until 9. Anything interesting come up uh, during your hour with Jerry over at Tully's?
0: Uh, you know, nothing too crazy. I, I thought the most interesting stuff we were talking about was about the press, and, and uh, I don't know the best way to phrase it, but I'll say the different types of pressure that Syracuse uses and, and puts on. Some of it is is more token pressure. Some of it is... They're legitimately trying to turn you over. Some of it is, uh, we just want to make you take nine seconds to get over half court <laughs> rather than rather than three or four, uh, so that you have to just start your offense later, and then we could sit back in our zone and, and we can really mess with you. Um, and I, I thought that was really interesting. And in that you know, yeah, we'll see them go to the press, but it's it's not the same one every single time. And and um, just because they do one early doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do all game long. And and I think that. Last night, hearing that from Jerry and and hearing uh, his satisfaction level with where uh, where the team was in switching from one press one pressure to the other, I think is a really interesting thing to watch the rest of the season.
1: Alan uh, did talk about the press last night as well. He said that you know they they spoke with Rick Patino and they kind of picked his brain on you know uh, his various pressure defenses because he's got a lot of them and they just they kind of took what they liked and they already have a, a pressure defense that's in place that's worked in in past years so they're still using that but that 2-2-1 two, two, that we saw to start the game that uh, may have had a, a little bit of uh, of Louisville in it that might have been one of the things that they took from Rick Patino.
0: yeah I, I mean when they go to that really aggressive uh hard charging trap defense uh, uh, we've seen that before it that, that is Syracuse's traditional press uh, that is that is the pressure defense we saw against Virginia uh, multiple times that that is the pressure defense that we we know here uh, but you know to your point they they're going two 2 one at times um, I, I think they went 2 one two uh, a little bit as well I think Jerry said that so there, there's there's a couple of different things that that they're doing and um, I know we talked about the press so much last year as a hey why don't you do it a little bit more I, I think they're going to this year and the idea that they've got multiple pressures that, that they throw out um, are, are really interesting. And multiple
1: pressures that, that naturally drop back into the 2-3 zone exactly. defense. Because when exactly. you extend 2-2-1 two, two, or you know, whatever the formation is, 2-1-2, two, two, however you want to uh, talk about it, that that does kind of naturally drop back into the 2-3 zone. Everybody's got an area and they know where they're going. So um, it, it doesn't work against them. Whereas when we see that scrambling press that's full court, sometimes... You can get lost in transition, and, and it can give up easy buckets at times when you're in that controlled, you know, two, two one half court or three quarter court, whatever the case may be. It's it's kind of a more controlled pressure where you know, all right, if it's it doesn't work, if you don't get the turnover, you're able to fall back and play your normal defense. And oh, by the way, the opponent has less time to operate with the shot clock.
0: Well, and 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 maybe you know, maybe this isn't the right way of saying it, but when you are. When when you run that pressure, maybe you're not looking for a turnover. Maybe you're not looking to speed up the opponent the way that you are at other times. The way that you were in the the Virginia game in the in the Elite Eight, you might not be looking at it for that. Just you trying might to mix be, it up, right? And and you might just honestly be looking to slow them down and say, hey, take seven seconds in your backcourt rather than take four. And and you know now all of a sudden you've only got twenty three seconds when you get into the front court. Maybe eighteen by the time you initiate the offense and make the first pass. And, and that's, you know, 10 less seconds than you might have to play, seven less seconds that you might have to play in your 2-3 zone, and you know how hard teams work to find shots against your zone. So, you know, doing a, I don't want to call it a token pressure, because I don't know if that's really the right phrase for it, but a pressure where you're just looking to slow them down rather than speed them up, uh, th- that helps your zone out. All the more,
1: yeah. Make them uncomfortable. Give them something else they they have to dissect and, and look at. And anytime you can give you know the opposing point guard more to think about, that's going to play to your advantage. You you don't want to make it easy. You want to make them uncomfortable. And and certainly Eastern Washington was very uncomfortable against the various defenses that they saw uh, the other night. One thing that came up on the Allen Griffin Show that I found interesting: we were talking about injuries, and, and there was no update on Frank Howard. But obviously, Jalen Carey is back to the point where he's playing again, and and that ankle looked just fine against Eastern Washington. Howard Washington uh, back on the floor. Looks like you know he's doing just fine, which is remarkable. Less than 10 runs removed from the ACL tear. He did touch on Barama Sidibe, uh, who Allen works with on a regular basis. We know Allen works with the big guys. And he said that Barama is at about 80% healthy and trending up and that this is the healthiest he's felt in a while, and that he feels like he's moving in the right direction. So I thought that was an encouraging sign as well, especially because he's got three games under his belt. And and you remember, I came in here after the St. Rose game, and I said that to you, Seth. I said, you know what, Barama didn't look totally right to me uh, in that St. Rose game. I thought he looked better against LeMoyne. I thought he, you know, from a from a movement standpoint, I, th- I thought he looked just fine against Eastern Washington. Um. And and Allen said, yeah, he's not quite 100. percent He's at about 80, percent but he's he's trending up. He's moving in the right direction, and he continues to feel better and better. Which uh, again, I think is is a good sign for him. So the overall health of the team is improving. Now they're just you know waiting on on Frank Howard.
0: Yeah, and and you know and as far as Barama goes, it, it seems like this is something that's just going to go game to game, right? And and sometimes he's gonna feel good. Sometimes he's going to be able to give you everything you need. And and you know what? Sometimes he's probably not. And uh, it, it it seems like something that's just kind of lingering, and, and that doesn't mean he can't feel great for a game, two games, three games, five games at times. But I I think that him going game in and game out over the course of three months or four months, I don't know that we're going to see that. I don't know that we're going to see him, you know, be able to really feel good uh, in quick turnarounds like Sunday to uh, Saturday to Monday, Saturday to Tuesday. I think that's kind of where we are.
1: Yeah and and to your point about you know Merrick um you know if they if they don't have a fully healthy Barama Sidibe they could go to Merrick at the at the 5 it worked yeah.
0: It worked. I th- I thought they looked really good with him playing the five last uh the other night.
1: Yeah, and, and apparently he can shoot now. And I asked Griff that last night. I said, you know, what is this? All of a sudden Merrick is shooting threes. We saw him make one in the preseason, and then you know, we joked that is he really gonna do that in the regular season. Then he, he stepped out and he yes. the, the one that he took, he made he was three for three from the floor, one for one from three point range. He said he's worked on his shot. He continues to work on his shot uh with Adrian Autry before and after practice, and he's he's gotten so much better Uh, with the outside shot to the point where, you know, I said to him, I said, are you you as a coaching staff comfortable with him taking that shot, or is it just you're comfortable if it goes in? And they said, no, they're comfortable with him taking that shot. I mean, even if he misses, if it's in the flow of the offense and it's an open look, they're comfortable with him taking the shot. That's how much that he has impressed them during practice with his outside looks.
0: Yeah, and and I think Jerry echoed uh, much of the same sentiment. Uh, He he said that they were uh, happy and they were impressed at how quickly he put up the 15-ish footer. Uh, the possession before, and then the next possession, he gets it. He's he's a step two steps back. He's behind the three point arc, and, and he just went right up with it. And I, I think the coaching staff is really happy that that is an option now because it it really does kind of change how that team looks. You're not going to sag off of him. You're not going to uh, you know take his man away and and push it and and have his defender uh, more towards Tyus Battle or O'Shea Brissett. You've got to guard him, and and he's a good passer. He's a smart player. Uh, if he's going to be able to shoot, that makes him a lot more dangerous,
1: and it's a way for him to get on the floor as well. Because yep. we we talked in the preseason about you know who's going to miss out on some time this year. Now that Elijah Hughes is eligible, you've got Brissett and Hughes as your forwards. You've got obviously Battle and Frank Howard once he comes back uh, in your backcourt, and Jalen Carey and Buddy Beham coming off the bench, and, and and the two centers. And we said Merrick might be the odd man out, but if he's able to do that, and the more he can bring to the table. He's going to find ways to get on the floor, and as you said, maybe play at the five. Spell Brissett, spell Hughes at the forward positions. He's going to find some minutes uh, as as things move along. We do need to take another timeout. When we return, Aaron Beasley, former NFL cornerback, set to join us as we switch gears. We go back to talking some football. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.